0: Hi, this is Elliot Fishman and welcome to our latest vodcast. This is gonna be a new topic, Pathways to Guide the Appropriate Use of Complex Diagnostic Imaging, the CMS Imaging AUC program. And the reason we're talking about this is that a few weeks ago at one of the major oncology meetings, I had to explain the AUC program, where it is, why it's being done, and what it means for everybody. The people i spoke to were oncologists they weren't radiologists but this is going to affect oncologists internists it's going to affect anyone who deals with cancer patients and in the future with any patients and it's going to affect radiology tremendously so what makes this whole process come to the front Well, imaging technology is constantly changing and decisions about the best imaging study for a specific clinical application continues to change. The role of multiple modalities may change based on availability and based on local experience. Also, scan protocols are critical and need to be specific for a specific application. And although radiologists at times have a challenge non-radiologists often do not know what study to order they want to do the best thing for the patient but there's so many options what should they do now the truth is radiologists may not know the best exam should this be a pet scan should it be a dotatate a ct an mr It's not always as simple as it can be. In retrospect, knowing the answer, it's like picking the lottery. It's only six numbers, what's so hard? But this week, which is November 6th, I'm recording this lecture, and the pick six is $1.5 billion. So it's not so easy just picking six numbers. It's important also to realize that the correlation between many stakeholders is critical, especially as non-imaging studies become more sophisticated. So we know we have challenges now, but what are we gonna do when AI comes along? What are we gonna do with liquid biopsy? Should we order it? Do we need to use it? What's gonna go on? And of course, we all recognize that a multidisciplinary approach is really the way to go. If you look at this case of a neuroendocrine tumor, Again, it's nicely shown in the axial and the tail of the pancreas with central calcification, but you can see how nicely the MIP shows it and how much more detail you get from the cinematic rendering. Which of these do you need? Do you need all of the information? Do you need it for detection? Do you need it for staging? Do you need it for follow-up? What should be done? And with AI coming along, you read articles every day about AI, about radiomics and early detection of pancreatic cancer. When will it be time for you to order radiomics when you get a CT scan? When will you be ordering AI to help with imaging, with mammography, or with a chest CT, or with a pulmonary embolism study? What should you be doing and when? When do things move from being something in the research realm to something that will affect patient care? And even looking at pancreatic duct dilatation, We know that's one of the things that's missed often for detection of early pancreatic cancer, and now there's AI that could pick up dilated pancreatic ducts. When will we be using it in practice? So what is the CMS Imaging AUC program and why was it created? Well, this is the government, the Protecting Access to Medicare Act, PAMA, of 2014 established a new program to increase the rate of appropriate advanced diagnostic imaging services provided to Medicare beneficiaries. And some examples of the advanced imaging, CT, MR, PET, and nuclear studies. You can read about it on CMS.gov. Now, you can also see that first line there is that it was due to take effect. It's been used and tested for a few years And it was meant to be January 1, 2023, which is about seven weeks away, that if you didn't use it, you wouldn't get penalized. But they did delay everything because of COVID, and it's not clear when it's going to happen. Under this AUC, Appropriate Use Criteria Program, um, at the time, a practitioner orders an advanced imaging service from Medicare beneficiary. Um, they will be required to consult a qualified CDSM, or Clinical Decision Support Mechanism. These CDSM's are electronic portals through which appropriate use criteria is assessed. So what I'm going to show you some examples of that is there's been organizations, societies, some hospitals, where they've created and had approved their clinical decision support. And you would need to use someone decision support in order to get reimbursed. A consultation must take place at the time of the order for imaging services that will be furnished in one of the below settings and paid for under one of the below payment systems. Ultimately, practitioners whose ordering patterns are considered outliers will be subject to prior authorization. So it becomes very, very important. This program impacts all physicians and practitioners that order advanced imaging studies. Basically that means physicians offices, outpatients departments, the ER, ambulatory centers, diagnostic testing facilities, you name it. Everybody is involved in this problem or this program. Now with these provider-led entities, A national professional medical specialty society or other organization that's comprised primarily of providers or practitioners who either within the organization or outside of the organization predominantly provide direct patient care. Once a PLE is qualified, the appropriate use criteria developed, modified, or endorsed by the entity are considered specific we're specifying applicable AUC. And you could see, as of a few months ago, there are many different organizations. to that catch your eye, the American College of Radiology, the ACR, and the NCCN, the National Comprehensive Cancer Network. There are other societies, there's different institutions, but ACR and NCCN are the ones I am going to look at. Now, a clinical decision support mechanism is an interactive electronic tool for the use by clinicians that communicates appropriate use criteria information to the user and assist them in making the most appropriate treatment decision for patient-specific condition. The goal is to make it easier. The goal is to make modules that are easy to use. Nobody wants to create an epic which will make more and more work obviously anything we need to do something takes work but how could you make it very very simple and again the testing period which began a couple of years ago um, is still going to be testing okay january 1st deadline is going to come and go and no one's quite clear when the new deadline will be so the payment penalty phase will not begin right now so that's the good news for everybody But on the other hand, there's a lot to learn from these programs, okay? Very, very important. And the CMS is saying they're not able to forecast when the payment penalty will begin. So you can think about the fact that's probably at least two years off. So let's look at some examples. Many of you are familiar with the ACR. We all use ACR criteria. ACR does a great job and we all know about it. Uh, The ACR appropriateness criteria are evidence-based guidelines. They're for a range of things. I think there's over 1,700 different guidelines making more than 8,800 recommendations. These things are authored by more than 600 members representing multiple expert societies with lots of references. And again, remember how the ACR does it. Things are appropriate. When they're really appropriate, it's a nine. When they're not appropriate, it's a one, two, or three. So again, there's numbers involved. The ACR addresses 198 clinical conditions with 965 variants and 1,760 clinical scenarios. So there's a lot that goes in there and all of us are familiar with the ACR and the excellent work they indeed do. Now, it's very important uh, to recognize that these guidelines do change over time. You can see the ACR, Think About pancreas has updated it several times. Now they will look at it every year or two to see if it really needs upgrading, and if it needs upgrading because of new information, they will indeed do it. So that becomes very important. You can't have these rules that are frozen in time. Things need to change. We all know the appropriateness criteria. Use a scale of one to nine. Things that are seven, eight, or nine are usually appropriate and one, two, and three are not. Four, five, and six are kind of like, uh, probably not. But seven, eight, and nine, and particularly those eights and nines are things we really wanna use. Now, the ACR uses a transparent, evidence based methodology. You may not always agree with the ACR's recommendations, but one would have to admit it's always hard to make decisions There's committees ranging between 10 and 25 people trying to put these decisions together and it's hard to make decisions. Uh, You know, it's easy to say, I don't know, or I'm not sure, but when you have to put something down, it's much trickier. So although they're not perfect, uh, it is a great attempt at doing things. So again, um, ACR, ACs are systematic reviews with recommendations that are data-driven and supported by evidence. Each ACR AC panel includes representatives from multiple specialties with expertise, not just in radiology, but also in other relevant areas, be it primary care, clinical trial design, statistics, and methodology. So very strong and the ACR is a big player in this area. And so for example, pancreatic cancer, here's the ACR this criteria for choosing imaging for pancreatic cancer, discussing CT, discussing CT and then MR, and also talking about PET scans. And again, CT is the way to go. But again, depending if you can't get contrast, you get MR, when does PET fit in? All of these things are being addressed and are spoken about. And here's just a simple example how it looks. You see CT with abdomen with IV contrast for variant one, initial staging, variant two resectability for borderline so you can see how it places things it also has these variants because not every pancreatic cancer study is the same one could be detection one could be staging one could be follow-up so you got to think about it like that the second big player is the nccn it's a non not-for-profit alliance of 32 of the leading cancer institutions in the united states tremendous publications from them, focusing on how you treat patients, how you image patients, how you monitor patients. I think all of you have probably seen it. The information is for free. You can go online and take a look at it. The 32 institutions are like Hopkins and Mayo and Penn and Yale uh, and Mallinckrodt and UCSF, City of Hope, all of the big institutions. 32 of them and growing and here's just the list so you can see it's really looking across the country trying to get a widespread feel of how things are done in many different areas now they have updated guidelines you every month get a number of these in the mail you can see just the recent updates for different cancer types one of the reasons the changes occur more frequently and with the NCCN compared to ACR is because they also look very carefully at treatment. And you know, with new chemotherapy, with combination chemotherapy, with radiation therapy, with immunotherapy, things are rapidly changing, which is really wonderful because we're making major strides in the war against cancer. So their guidelines are constantly changing. And with those changes come changes in imaging. Here's how it typically look. And you can see in February, 2022, the newest pancreatic adenocarcinoma guidelines came out. You can see if you look at who was on the committee and there are more people than this, but one from literally every institution. If you look, there's surgeons, there's oncologists, there's radiologists, there's pathologists. You really have a widespread look of people from different places, really well done. And you can see how they do it. Here's a guideline, suspicion of pancreatic cancer, go to pancreatic protocol. You go to that section, it explains how to do the study. It then talks about managing the patient with staging, biopsy, again, a real walkthrough of what the clinician needs to do. And you can see why it's very important and very logical that when you follow things like this, you're gonna do the right thing and do it as cost-effective as possible. And when you get down into it, you can see the CT protocols are there. It's just like a typical radiology article, right? Scanner type, section thickness, oral, IV, what needs to be done. And it even has how you should report it with a template. Again, a very, very strong approach because you're doing it as a multidisciplinary approach. And then, of course, there's variations on this, resectable disease, how do you treat it, and how do you do the imaging, and then when do you move on from that sequence, and how do you treat unresectable disease? Okay, So each of the different variations is addressed in detail, And again here's just some of the uh, definition of the different therapies again uh, there are a number of therapies in pancreatic cancer when patients have metastatic disease and this goes through many of them and gives some of the advantages and disadvantages to the clinician now the nccn imaging auc is very well done it's kind of basically a simple clicking model and you can read about this in detail But you can see, for example, you would go into it. You would pick a NCCN guideline, say pancreatic cancer. You pick a clinical setting, purpose, modality. It would really walk you through everything. So you can see, you pick a guideline. Here are some of the diseases. So you pick pancreatic cancer. It would take you to staging, because that's what I picked. You look at CT. It would then take you to all the information but you can see that it would allow you to pick staging or follow up or screening, many different possibilities. And you can do the same thing with every imaging modality and it would tell you whether or not it's appropriate. So again, a very simple menu driven thing because as we said before, if you wanna get approval, you don't wanna be spending time on the phone. You wanna be doing things very quickly and very efficiently. And you could see here very nicely, then you have all of the information, the recommendations, and you'd be able to follow these recommendations and you would get paid for doing the studies and managing that patient. So concluding then, guidelines are here to stay. When the penalty phase comes, I don't know, but guidelines should help our work, make things more standardized and give better patient care. Groups that provide expertise in imaging are the key to its success. I am not saying you need to use the NCCN or the ACR or any of those 30 or so groups. You're gonna end up picking one of them or your institution will, but you wanna make sure you pick something that is very robust, that is able to go across all modalities and do things in a very consistent fashion and make sure that they're keeping up to date. We want to make sure that we choose the right exam for the right patient for the right reason. And that's what the purpose of the AUC is. Now implementation will be here soon, hopefully, but I think in the short term, it's something to use, something to think about and something that again provides comfort for our patients knowing that we're doing things correctly and everyone's doing it the same way. And with that, I hope you enjoyed this talk and I hope we gave you something to think about. See you later. If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos plus quizzes, pearls, protocols and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad all completely free. Thanks for watching.